it's a good it's a good series that we're starting this weekend. We're starting like three weeks leading up to Easter. Real appropriate. We're talking about heaven and hell, and um, really interesting. Talking about eternity. The series is eternity is for real, and um, it's a hot topic. And I think it's one that's really interesting. As I was studying this week. And in the, the weeks leading up to this, especially Pastor Rob and I were getting together, we're gathering all this information on heaven and hell, and wow, there's a lot to it. There's a lot more in the Bible than we think there actually is. And it's been really fun, and I hope you guys are interested in this this week. Um, this week, Tuesday, really, I guess, um, kind of the, the topic hits home is Tuesday, we lost someone from this church that was just uh, a really good friend and just major support of this church. And some of you guys may or may not have heard, if you know him, Peter Tamura passed away on Tuesday. And it was a rough one for us because, now we love the guy. And the guy, like, gave blood, sweat, and tears for this church and his family. And he's just like, uh, it's hard when you lose someone that was of such, I mean, it's hard to lose anybody. I mean, we all have loved ones and we've all walked through this. But when you just think about, um, you know, where is he now? Uh, we went over to the house when we heard and we got to pray with family and just loved on them. And, and Peter, you know, the shell of Peter, our friend, was laying there and we got to pray and kind of say our last goodbyes and everything. There'll be a service and all that. But it just, it weighs heavy on you. Just the idea, the concept of eternity and life and death. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have all walked through that and experienced it to some degree. And it's rough, but... As we begin to study this and what we're going to learn today, um, there's a reality and there's, there's also hope that we can have. And especially with Peter, <laughs> now we know where he is right now, you know, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk specifically about the places of heaven and hell um, today, that they're real places, that everybody spends eternity in a real place. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the wrong assumptions of eternity and heaven and hell. Then we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say directly about these two places. Now, just to kind of set the tone and let you guys know where we're going, we're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about uh, more how it relates to us as individuals, personally, how we get there, what we're going to be doing in those places, uh, different concepts like that. We'll talk about things like relationships with other people, our relationship with God, the devil. Other, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of stuff. But today I want to specifically focus by starting off on the actual places of heaven and hell because we have a lot of wrong assumptions. A lot of us think a lot of like just really weird different things. And now there's some of us that believe things like this, like heaven isn't a real place, that we're just going to spend eternity either like sleeping or floating around. We're going to be, we'll be there, but we're just going to be spirits kind of hanging out. And it might be a nice place, but it's going to be just kind of like a bliss. And, and maybe you even have the ideas from TV shows and everything of like, we're going to be hanging out on the clouds. You know, we all grow wings. We're going to become angels. And the Bible is really clear that that's, that's not the case at all. Like you're not going to play the harp and just sit around for eternity. You know, um, it's really clear that that's not it. And we're going to look at that today, that angels are created beings that are completely separate from human beings who find salvation and come up to heaven. And it's really different. We're going to look at that. But some of the other wrong assumptions that we maybe make is that heaven is real and everybody ends up there. And it's, that's, ideally, that would be the greatest thing to think of, you know, like that everybody in the world that dies, no matter how bad they are, you know what, God's, God's love and we all just make it to heaven and hell really isn't a real place and that's just a negative thing. It's a symbolism, it's a metaphor in, in the Bible and that's really, you know what, let's, let's not be negative, let's not talk about that. That's what some people believe. In fact, I've had people tell me before, 
that they're leaving the church. I mean, good people that were my friends and everything. Hey, we just, we're not gonna come anymore because you talk about the devil all the time and about hell and stuff. And you know what? We just wanna be about good vibes. You know, like you can't, don't talk about that. So it brings us down. Like we wanna have God and love and we shouldn't talk about that. Like, so we're not gonna come to this church anymore. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of heavy because it's not my invention, it's not my opinion. Like the Bible says you can't have the good without the bad and sin is a reality and hell is a reality. And so we gotta talk about this stuff. But some people, you know, we just don't wanna believe that. There's maybe some people that say um, this, and this is common even amongst Christians. The Bible doesn't really say much about heaven and hell. Therefore, it must not matter that much. We must not need to concern ourselves with it too much because the Bible doesn't really say too much about it. And I want to kind of prove that one wrong as well today and in the next few weeks is that the Bible actually has more to say about it than you think. And the reason that it actually does say quite a bit about it is because God wants us to live differently when we have the end in mind. Like, do you guys understand that? That you live differently in the here and now when you know where your next destination is gonna be, when you know where you're going, when you know what the end of the story is all about, the end of the Bible, how everything works out. When you really begin to understand that, you live differently in the here and now. And that's what I wanna talk about here today. And so there's a couple interesting verses in scripture I just wanna lead off with. And this first one is in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. And it says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And this is the thing that's so powerful is this truth. He has planted eternity in the human heart. That in every single one of us, there's something that longs to know what eternity is all about. That you know deep down whether you believe in God or not, there's something in you that's like, this life that we're living can't be it. Like there has to be something bigger and there's like this itch that just won't be scratched. There's this like desire when, when you're little, I don't know if any of you are like me, but the concept of eternity like, it scared me, it scared me to death. And not because I thought, oh, I'm in fear of going to hell. Like I had an understanding when I was a little kid of, of my parents teaching me about Jesus and about the rewards and about heaven and about hell. And I knew, you know, as a little kid, childlike faith, which I love about little kids, I love about our children's ministry, they give them Jesus. They're not just babysitting them over there, they give them Jesus. Is that when you're little, you just fully understand who Jesus is, like you just, and you love him and you're happy. So I wasn't scared of going to hell, but I would wake up in the middle of the night, kind of often, just with panic attacks of the fact that eternity is so long that it never ends, it never stops. And I, thinking as a little kid, you know, I go through all the heartache, I grow up, but I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna die. And there's kind of like a, a good cycle, right? You have a life and you die. And then to think that afterwards, you just don't die. Like you're just gonna be there forever. Like that would just, ah, it's like too much for my little kid head to like process. And yet God has said, he's planted that, that kind of that feeling, that knowledge in all of us that there's, there's gotta be something more. It's like, like, like we want to question it. We need to understand this stuff. And I think that's really good because again, it changes the way we live right now. Here's another verse in Colossians three verses one and two. Paul is writing to the church at Colossae and he's just, um, speaking to them about Jesus and their walk with him and what it means. And he says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, right? You said yes to Jesus. And he goes, you're a new creation. My Holy Spirit's going to come in, make some changes. You're going to be a different person. And we're like, yes, it's what we call born again, right? Is it like we're reborn spiritually. Now we have a new life in Jesus. He goes, since you've been raised a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. He's telling us, think about heaven. 
Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. The thinking about eternity should change how we live right now. If you're taking notes, just write that concept down, that little thought down. Thinking about eternity, learning about eternity, setting our sights on eternity should actually change how we're living right now. So are you guys ready to dig into what the Bible has to say about that this morning? And I'm also supposed to give a shout out to the 9 a.m. service. What's up, 9 a.m.? Because we're recording this for you in another couple hours. So what's up, everybody? So, okay, here we go. You guys ready to jump into the scripture right now? This is where we get going. This is the reality of it all. Now, I cannot possibly cover it all. I've been reading and studying all week, and it's like, ah, there's so much I want to tell you, and I have to chop it down into here's just this sermon for this week, and we got two more that are coming up. But I want to tell you some of the key things that um, it has to say in the Bible, and I want to give you a resource a good resource, because some of you guys are gonna walk away from here today with questions, with maybe more questions. Some answered, but you're gonna walk away with, with an interest and an excitement to learn more about eternity. Let me um, recommend this book to you. This book is called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And there's been a lot of really good books written about heaven and hell and eternity, lots of really good ones. This one is kind of the current one in the past maybe 10 years or so, that really a lot of the Bible the guys that study God, theologians, right? Theo is the word God. Logians is those that study the logic, the reasoning, the wisdom, understanding. So a lot of the theologians are going, man, this guy wrote the book that this is a really, really good book. He did his homework. He did it well. A lot of pastors, a lot of different professors are saying, this is the one to get to really read up on. So if you guys are going, man, I liked what Pastor Carl had to say today. I've got some more questions. Order this on Amazon, because there's no bookstores anymore, right? Like, it's hard to find a bookstore, but go check this book out. This is a really good one. But let's talk about, biblically, what does the Bible say about eternity, heaven and hell? And I'm going to start with hell, not because it's fun, but because I want to end up on a good note with heaven. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to get this, the ugly stuff out of the way, but it's a reality. And I just want to make a disclaimer here today. I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid. I've heard all kinds of pastors. I've heard all kinds of sermons. I've heard all kinds of teachings. And I'm not one for the scare tactics and the guilt tactics of getting people to Jesus. Meaning, I don't want to just preach fire and brimstone and eternal damnation all the time so that people are like, oh, I'm scared. Where's Jesus? Like, I don't know if I necessarily have to always preach or people should preach the scare tactics to get people to Jesus because I think Jesus sells himself. Like he's that good. Like you read the good stuff about Jesus, you're like, I want that without even having to hear what's on the other side if you choose wrong. However, I believe in the biblical reality that you have to talk about both. And there's, uh, Rob and I were talking about this, is that, that preaching on heaven and hell has kind of faded out of the mainstream Christian sermons in, in the way that we deliver messages. And I, I think that maybe it's because we're trying to be seeker sensitive and we don't wanna offend people. We don't, we don't wanna play the scare tactics and that kind of a thing. So we've toned down our messages. You know, in, in the past 80 years, pastors have kind of moved a little bit away from talking about judgment and hell and things like that to be more politically correct or whatever. You read all of the old pastors and their sermons and you listen to all old recordings and you read in books and all these messages is pretty much they talked about heaven and hell every single sermon that they preached because it really is such a big reality. So it's just interesting where we've got, we've shifted to. So this series, we're gonna kind of take it head on and I, I'm not trying to scare or offend anybody, but this is the biblical reality. 
And the first thing we're going to look at is that hell is a very real place. Okay? We're going to get right into it, the negative part of it, but it's, it's a reality. Hell is a real place. It's not figurative. It's not metaphorical. It's not like, oh, well, there, it could be bad for people who don't choose Jesus, but, you know, the flames and all that, like, ah, we don't really believe in all that. Like, it's a real place. Like, the Bible, the words that they use are words when it says place. It's, like, actually meaning for heaven and hell like a location, an actual place, not like a, a thought or an idea. It's like saying it's somewhere real. In fact, listen to this. Pastors don't want to talk about hell. Jesus spoke more about hell than all the other preachers in the Bible combined. Like Jesus thought this was a really big topic about eternity. Um, out of 1,870 verses where Jesus is speaking, 13% are about judgment and about hell. That's kind of a high percentage. More than half of all of his 40 parables that he taught. You guys know what parables are? It's a story that he simplified using everyday objects or people to bring the kingdom of heaven and the mysteries of God into relative terms so we all could get it. Like he dumbed it down for us. Thank you, Jesus, right? Because it's heavy to think about the things of God. And Jesus goes, let me tell, tell you a story about a, a mustard seed. Let me tell you a story about a rich man. And, you know, just, oh, we get it. But out of half of those, more than half of those parables that Jesus spoke of relate to God's eternal judgment of sinners, more than half of them. So this is kind of a big concept. So I want to start by talking about hell as a real place, but I want to talk about this because this is what you got to understand that, that may be news to you is that where we go when we die now, whether we're Christians or non-Christians, I'm going to talk about that first with hell, those that don't accept Jesus, and I'm going to talk about those that do choose Jesus. But where we go right now is not going to be where we're going to end up for eternity. I just want to make that clear. I want you to just get that concept. Wait, what do you mean, Pastor Carl? Is that where we go right now is kind of an intermediate state of heaven and hell. That after Jesus returns at the second coming, and we, we're not going to get into all of the end time stuff, meaning uh, the tribulation, the rapture, the millennium, all of that stuff. That's another sermon series on its own. But ultimately, Jesus is going to come at the second coming, and he's going to judge all of humanity, right? He's going to pull everybody together, and there's going to be the final judgment where everybody ends up in the final permanent place of heaven and hell. So listen to this, because you guys are going, what? I never learned this before. This is what the Bible says. Luke chapter 16, here's a story Jesus tells um, to kind of illustrate this point. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, and who lived each day in luxury. Okay, rich guy, he's, he was living the high life. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Now, you gotta catch this. This is Jesus. This is unique to Jesus. Is when Jesus told parables, he never used specific names. When Jesus told stories of things that actually happened, he used specific names. That's just like a, the way that commentators and theologians, when you read the Bible and you understand it, he's not going, well, let me tell you something that kind of makes a point. He's going, this is kind of a real deal that I'm talking about right now because I'm using a real person's specific name. So we don't know if this is the same Lazarus that was his friend from Mary and Martha. That's like a, probably a different guy, but this is Jesus going, hey, let me tell you something that is actually true. So there's a rich man and at his, ga at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who's covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. So this guy's like just in bad shape. Finally, the poor man died and was carried away by angels. The poor man, Lazarus, was carried away by angels to sit beside Abraham 
at the heavenly banquet. So we know Abraham, man of God from the Old Testament, the Abraham covenant with the Jewish people. Well, that's a godly man. So the poor man, Lazarus, he goes to be wherever Abraham is right now. He's hanging out with Abraham at a heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried and he went to the place of the dead. I'm gonna give you a couple words for that in a minute here, uh, Hebrew and Greek words. He went to the place of the dead there in torment. So the rich man is in torment. He saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. So they both died, but they went to different places, and yet they were aware and conscious they can see each other. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here just to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in these flames. He's in flames, he's in torment, he's hurting, and yet Lazarus is over here at the side of Abraham, heavenly banquet, he's being comforted. Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, in other words, he had cognizant thought, he could remember back to who he was on earth. Remember during your lifetime that you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing? So now here he is being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm that's separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. So they both went somewhere, one bad place, one good place. They could see and know where the other person was, but they, they couldn't get to each other. It says, um, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home back on earth, because, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn him to warn them, and I want to, him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have already warned them. In other words, they had a chance. They heard about the good, they heard about God and who he was, but they chose wrong. Uh, your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they'll repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, look, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. In other words, nope, we're not gonna send anybody from here down to there either. There's a chasm that separates you two, but there's also, we're not sending anybody that's here back down to earth because that's why God put his prophets and his teachers and the word of God. And you fast forward to New Testament times, the, the preachers, the church, the missionaries, the Bible. There's, if you don't hear it now and you don't get it, then you miss, it, miss out on it. So this is a sad story, but this talks about a place, a real place where people go if they were to die before the final judgment. Now, a lot of uh, commentators believe that this was, this was just Old Testament, and then when Jesus came, it changed a little bit, but I'm gonna show you a verse from the New Testament on that as, as well. But it, there's a temporary hell, and this is what I wanna talk about, this place of the dead. The Hebrews called it Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, place of the dead. In Greek, they translated it to Hades. You guys have heard of Hades, but this is a place of the dead. There's a little bit of controversy on whether Sheol and Hades means just that, that dark compartment of the, the waiting room until we get to ultimate hell, or if it kind of describes the place of the dead, meaning everybody go there for now, but some people that are like Lazarus go to Abraham's bosom, they call it, the next to Abraham, the side of Abraham, the lap of Abraham, whatever, a good place, and then the other compartment is a bad place. But either way, what pretty much all theologians that really study the word agree on is that this isn't the ultimate heaven or hell. 
Because later on, second judgment, we're gonna, we're gonna read about that, we get glorified bodies, that everybody is gathered, and then God sorts everybody out to where the final place is, which is described differently than this passage that Jesus taught on right here. But here's what we know about the temporary hell right now if you don't choose Jesus, that it's a place that is described in the Bible, and I can't give you all the verses right now, but I can give you some to look up later. But it's a place of darkness. It's a place that is described as a pit. It's a place that has torment and agony in flames, although this isn't the ultimate lake of fire we're going to talk about in a minute. It's a place of regret because here's this rich man going, oh, if only, if only my, my, my brothers knew, if only Lazarus could come over here. Like, it's a place where you just have to live with your own regret that you missed out because you didn't choose what God wanted you to, to choose. It's a place where people are aware, they have feelings and they're conscious. Obviously, we read that in the story that Jesus told. Again, this is Jesus. We're not gonna question, I don't think that's true. Well, Jesus himself told the story. Then there's a place in Matthew 25, 31 to 36. You can write that down, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. I'm just gonna tell you the story, not read it. But basically, Jesus, at the end of the world, at the final judgment, when really everybody ends up where they end up, it says that like a sheep, or like a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats, Jesus is gonna bring everybody forward. All those that have died, all those that are still living, he's gonna gather everybody together and he's gonna separate them to, okay, now here's final destination. Here's the final hell. Here's the final heaven. He's gonna separate us. And this is the deal. Everybody spends eternity somewhere. Everybody does. The Bible says that every one of us as human beings, we're all eternal beings. And nobody gets off to just float around in the, in the, wood, the whatever, the, the darkness or the clouds. No one just gets off that easy. Is that everybody ends up and spends eternity somewhere. And Jesus is saying, I ship, separate the sheep from the goats. And some of them, in this passage, he says, some of them will go to eternal life in God's kingdom. And it says the others will be separated and go to eternal fire and judgment. Isn't this such a warm and encouraging message for you guys this morning? Like, even for me, I'm like, man, this isn't how I normally teach, but we got to get some information on this because I'm interested. I need to know. You know the reason we need to know, again, is because God says, I want you to live with the end in mind. I want you to live like eternity matters because it really does. Because our life here on earth is a drop in the bucket. 80 years, 90, however long we think we're gonna live for, it's nothing compared to where we're gonna spend the rest of eternity. So we better live like we know this stuff because it changes us. So this is a little scary. It's a little bit makes you wanna like, whoa. But here's what God is saying is that eventually there's gonna be a final judgment. Now here comes the place where people go from just that intermediary state that's kind of bad and kind of dark. And it talks about the permanent hell, the real hell. And it describes it as this, a lake of fire, a lake of eternal torment, of deepest darkness. And a lot of theologians, when they read this, it's not just talking about lights. It's saying the overall despair and oppression of being in total blackness and darkness for all of eternity. Can you imagine what that's like? You know the feeling of like, like just being in darkness too long? That sometimes it's good to like turn off the lights and go to sleep and all that. But when it's just like dark, 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 it begins to become depressing. It's like, it's overpowering, it's overwhelming. And it says this is, this is what it's gonna be like in the ultimate, the last permanent hell. There's pain, you're always in pain. There's regret that you know. See, this alone to me would, would just be torture for me. Knowing for all of eternity that someone else is in face to face with God, they're experiencing his love, his light, his goodness, and you can't have any of it, and you missed out back on, back on earth when you lived your life. That's like, it's overwhelming. This is how bad hell is, and I just wanna, I wanna 
push this point because we, we need to know. The Bible wants us to know. It's a place of punishment. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's described in scripture, where you want to die, but you can't. Like you're in such agony and pain that it doesn't end. It's a, it's a word that's described in scripture. It's just this word Gehenna, G-E-H-E-N-N-A. There's a valley in, uh, right outside of the old city of Jerusalem, Gehenim. They believe that they take the word from that. And it was a place that was just a burning trash heap. It was a place that was always smoldering. It smelled so foul. The stench was disgusting. They would throw, uh, not the rich people would get graves. The poor people would get their bodies and their corpses thrown onto this, this burning heap. And it was just disgusting. And there was worms and the animals would come. It was just like a terrible place. And it's described as like Gehenna, filth, stench, worms, smoke, and death. And not to, not to forget that this is also where the devil and the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and all the demons, they're there with you for all of eternity. Are you, am I painting a picture that says hell is a bad place? Like, and it's a real location. The Bible doesn't say it's like, it's figurative, it's just sp- it's spiritual. Like it's saying this is a bad place, this is, this is real. Let me give you guys um, some scriptures about hell right now and on the screen. If we can just put those scriptures up right now. And if you take a picture of this with your phone or something, you can go and look this stuff up because it's interesting to know what the Bible, all I'm talking about right here, it's biblical, it's backed up in scripture. Take a picture of that, you can go look up some stuff. But here's the deal, hell is so bad because number one reason why it's so bad is there's no God there. You're separated from God and his love for all of eternity and you know that you've missed the boat. That's bad enough for me. So. I think we gotta live a little bit differently when you hear how bad hell is. And when people use the phrase, oh, go to hell, I'm pretty sure that even the worst of people, no one would wish that on anybody, on any human being. There's some pretty corrupt and evil people that have done some stuff out there in the world, but when you think that you would want someone to go to that place for all of eternity, I don't think we, we would be really saying that to anybody. I mean, this is, like a, this is a pretty bad place. And the hope is, because I'm going to shift gears now and go into heaven and and what we would have if we do choose to follow God, the hope that we have is that we can be saved, the Bible tells us, which the word saved takes on a whole new meaning when you understand what you're saved from. Does that make sense to you? Like, oh, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. What are you saved from? Oh, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I get to be with God. No. What are you saved from? Hell, Gehenna, filth, stench, pain, torment, blackness, regret, agony for all the days of your life. Oh my gosh, I'm saved. Look at when the Bible says, Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you guys know it's good to know what you've actually been saved from because you live differently? I went hiking when I was about high school age or just out of high school, back in the day in Kaneohe in the middle of the night one time because that's what young guys do and you're dumb and like me and Pastor Tom, who wasn't Pastor Tom back then, he was just Tom Tom, my friend, right? And my cohort and a lot of stuff that we're, we don't talk about. But we got into trouble and all that. But we, one of the things we did was just a few guys like middle of the night, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. or something like that, they're still awake and like, what are we gonna do now? I don't know, let's, let's go hiking up Friendship Gardens. You know, anybody been to Friendship Gardens in Kaneohe? You guys kind of know where it is. And it wasn't really a nice, nice uh, path or anything. It was rugged. It was pitch black. No flashlights, no phones back then. But what we did have to kind of help light the darkness was cigars. We were all smoking cigars like stogies because I don't know why, right? There's a lot worse we could be smoking. So I'm just telling you, we all had cigars. And we thought, let's go hike a banyan tree at Friendship Gardens in the middle of the night with cigars. Okay, that sounds great. So we all went up and we're hiking. And there's this on the side of a hill. 
there's this big banyan tree. And so on this side, it's easy to climb because it's on the, the, the close side of the hill, right? We climb up this banyan tree and we're climbing around it. And this is like the steep side. But in the dark, we don't know that, right? We just get, hey, let's climb this tree. Okay, you know, we're climbing the tree. And we're kind of making our way around. We're just hanging out and talking story. And I don't know, we're talking about girls or something. You know, we're climbing around and there's a point where I lost my grip with one hand and my footing and I, whoa, and I grabbed the hold of like one of those like just like vines or whatever, you know, from the thing. And I was like, oh, and everyone's laughing at me because they can kind of see, because they can see that where the cigar is glowing, you know, and they see it like swinging. They're like, ha, ha. And I was like, whoa, I almost fell, guys. And we're laughing, but I, I kept my stogie in my mouth. Yeah. And we're just hanging out and had a good time. And then a couple days later, I was, or the next day or a couple days later, I remember going, oh, I wonder, I wonder where we are. I want to go see that place in the daytime. I never saw it. We just hiked it at night. So we went around in the daytime and I saw the tree and I saw where we were because I wanted to know, oh, if I would have fallen, like, could I have made it or, you know, no big deal. And I saw that where we were at and where I had slipped and grabbed the hold on one hand was like, um, like 20 plus feet down and there's rocks and I guarantee would have at least broken my leg if not landed on my back or my head or something. It would have been really, really bad. And I was like, oh, and then all of a sudden it hit me like the fear of, oh my gosh, I was so laughing the other night thinking it was no big deal. Like I could have gotten seriously hurt and it shook me inside. You know, when you, when you realized the potential danger and what I was saved from, this is my point, like it hit me hard and I went, Carl, you're an idiot. Don't ever climb a tree again. Don't do that. It caused me to take a second look and take a step back and go, I got to live differently. I got to make better choices. That could have been super terrible. Do you understand that when you understand how bad hell is, I don't want to talk about, let's not talk about that stuff. When you understand how bad hell is, you live differently. You live differently going, God, thank you for saving me from that. God, I don't want any of my family, my friends, any human being to go to that terrible, dark place. So, when you find out about hell and it's a real place, it changes the way you live. Can we change gears and go to heaven now? Is everybody, you heard enough about hell? Can we go into heaven right now? Because here's the deal about heaven now. Hell is a very real place, terrible place, worse than we can imagine. And yet heaven is a real place as well. And this is the hope we have in Jesus. It's a real place. It's not a state of mind. It's not a concept or an idea. It's a real place. God wants us to know about it. He doesn't give us all the specific details because I think that's gonna be the amazing, wonderful surprise when we get there, but he gives us enough to know it's a really amazing place, it's a real place, and when you learn about heaven, it builds your faith, it builds your hope, it builds your gratitude for a God that would bless you that much, that there's that kind of a reward that you don't deserve, and yet he gave his son to die for you so you could go there. Like, it's exciting. You live your life differently when you know where you're going next. And so I wanna talk a little bit about heaven is that, again, now from that story in Luke chapter 16, we understand that when we die right now, before final judgment, we go somewhere temporary and it says like the Old Testament saints or, or followers of God went to this Abraham's bosom place, a good place, but it wasn't the ultimate place that God had been preparing. That Jesus, when he left earth and he goes, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When you die now, you're gonna to go to somewhere temporary heaven. It's good, it's peaceful, it's a waiting place. It was described as Abraham's bosom, like maybe in an Old Testament view of it, although Jesus was speaking of this in the New Testament. But it says this, 
In Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus gives us a little bit more of a hint as to what this place is gonna be about when he's talking to the two criminals that, that were on the crosses that were hung next to him. You guys remember the story, right? Jesus wasn't alone on the cross. There was two criminals, thieves on each side of him, and one guy was talking smack to Jesus, mocking him, and the other guy said, hey, would you, do you know who you're talking to? And kind of said, Jesus is the man, and basically in so many words, paraphrasing, said, hey, can you remember me when you go to where you're going? And Jesus said, man, I see your heart. You may not have said the words, you may not have prayed a sinner's prayer, but I see that you believe in me and who I am. And he goes, in, in Luke 23, 43, he replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Now paradise is different, different wording, different description than ultimate heaven when you get a glorified body and you go to the new earth and the new Jerusalem and the new heaven, but you're going to a place called paradise. And the greatest thing that this paradise has going for it is the fact that Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So here's the hope that I have for my friend Peter that just went somewhere, right, on Tuesday when he left this shell from our loved ones that we're missing, our family, our friends, the ones that we know that we're remembering. Here's the hope that we have is that wherever they're at right now, it's a really good place. It's a piece of, place of peace and rest and comfort and refreshment it's a place where Jesus is. And I can know that the loved ones that I've lost that know him, they're literally with him right now because here's what Jesus promised this guy. And here's the other hope that I have. I want you to think about this. This is a good point. That those of us that aren't quite sure where some of our friends went, we just don't know if they were saved. We don't know if they chose Jesus and at what point it is that what, what it really takes to become a Christian and to make it into heaven because some of us, we, we're just not sure. Let me reassure you with the fact that God's grace is so good and so cool and he loves people and his ultimate heart is that people would choose him and not perish. That here's Jesus giving grace to a guy that probably his whole life lived as a thief, as a criminal and is hanging up there on the cross and in his last few moments of life and breath, he expresses to Jesus, not even in direct words like, I love you, I follow you, you're my Lord and Savior. He didn't even pray that kind of a sinner's prayer. But Jesus saw a heart that said, this guy right here believes in me and who I am. And that Jesus at the very end of a criminal sinner's life could say, you made a decision right there in your final words and final breath to believe in me. And Jesus honored that and he took him to be with him. Do you, do you see that the, the picture of God is one of grace and his heart for us? There's a lot of people I've always wondered about, like loved ones and people. I wonder if they knew God. I hope they're not going to the other place. I hope they're not going to hell. God, that breaks my heart. And I just don't know, but I also have a hope in a God that only he knows the moment of salvation in people's hearts. And we gotta be careful not to judge people because here's a guy that lived his whole life as a criminal and in the last few seconds, his heart changed and Jesus goes, I like that, you're coming with me here today. So there's hope that we can have, but there is, again, what I'm trying to teach you informationally is there's a temporary heaven. And then after the final judgment, and there's, there's a lot of verses and there's a lot of controversy on that, like what it looks like and what it is, but most people believe, yeah, we're not in the final place yet because we don't have the glorified body yet. We don't, like, the dead are gonna all rise, come together, and God's gonna take us. Final judgment, new resurrected glorified bodies, we go to a permanent heaven. The, the word talks about that. The Bible gives us a lot of images and hints. One of the greatest passages to read is in um, Revelation. Book of Revelation is John had a vision that God gave him concerning end times and the things to come. And in chapters 21 and 22 of Revelation, if you write that down, it describes the new earth, the new heaven, 
that it's a new city, the holy city of Jerusalem where we're all gonna live. And one of the interesting things it says in there is John said, and I saw that there was no more sea, there was no more ocean. So when I read that about heaven, Oh, all the surfers, all the fishermen, all the divers in the room just said, boo, right? <laughs> because I'm, what do you mean there's no ocean? I'm like, a, I love surfing, I love diving, I love the beach. I don't get to have that now. And here's some interesting stuff that we've learned. And I'm sure um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll speak to that a little bit more so. But there's all of these verses that you put them all together. It gives you a good picture of heaven. And what we learn is that heaven is such an incredible place that basically it says the stuff that brings you joy and happiness here on earth is probably gonna be magnified and multiplied in heaven. And so there's part of me that believes, and Rob and I talk about this stuff, is like we believe that somehow, some way, there's gonna be surfing in heaven. Now it talks about a river of life flowing down the middle of, of the, of the uh, city. It talks about, there's things that talk about uh, water and they're possibly, so maybe it's like a river wave I get to surf or something or, or diving or fishermen, you know, your boat's gonna be on a lake. I don't know. Rob believes like firmly with all his heart he's gonna be golfing in heaven. And you know, there's just, there's all of these verses that say, there, there's continuity. There's this big concept of continuity you have to understand. That all the, the Bible theologians agree, commentators agree that, that what the Bible describes to us and what we've experienced here on earth is gonna be similar and familiar in heaven, just upgraded and magnified. That the Bible isn't saying, here's what earth is right now, and then when you get to heaven, it's gonna be totally, you don't even understand anything, it's gonna be totally different. They believe that God designed us, and it says he created man in his own image. There's a continuity that says, Kind of what we have right now and we understand right now is gonna be similar and familiar to what we feel. But when you get to heaven, you strip away all the negative of that, the decay, the sin, the brokenness, the hurt. It's gonna be kind of what we know, continuity, but just magnified and amplified even better. So there's parts of me that believe like things like what do we do now, the sports we play now, the things that bring us joy. Even I was thinking about this, people that just love watching movies and all that, like, like something is gonna be similar and yet heaven's gonna be so much greater. And if there isn't surfing or golfing, that God is gonna make it that those same feelings and, and whatever fulfillment we got from that, we're gonna have that magnified so much that we wouldn't even think of surfing or golfing. Does that make sense to you? Like that it's gonna be so good that whatever you have here, you get to heaven and it's gonna be like, oh, what used to do that? That was so dumb, look at what we have now. That everything is gonna be so much better. So I don't know what that means to me, but I'm, I'm hoping God, like there's a way I can surf, that'd be awesome. But anyway, I'm giving you information that I got off track, but it says there's gonna be a new heaven, a new earth, a new city. There's gonna be no sea. It says heaven, is a city, and listen to this, you read in Revelations, it actually has measurements. You're like, wait, wait, hold on, what? You read in the Bible, it actually gives the measurements of how big and how wide and how long heaven is, and it says it's the new city is like a cube, it's square. This is interesting stuff. I'm gonna give you some verses in a minute, but it talks about streets of pure gold. Some people are like, oh, that just means it's gonna be really valuable. I think this, if the Bible's being so descriptive to, this, to say streets of pure gold, walls of jasper, it describes all these precious stones, gates are literally made of pearl. I think the Bible is trying to say it's what you can understand. It's like, it's literally gonna look something like, it's gonna be incredible, just beautiful. There's gonna be no sun, no moon, but there's not gonna be any night either. It says the light is gonna be coming from God the Father and the Lamb, Jesus, of God, that somehow we're gonna have light to see and yet it's, we're not gonna need 
moon and stars and all of that anymore because, or the sun even, because it's all coming from God. Here's a great thing that's described in scripture is that God lives among us. That in itself blows my mind. That no more like us on earth right now praying, God in heaven, Jesus up there, Holy Spirit is in us, we can't see you. Literally when we get to heaven, God's gonna be living among us. Like how cool is it gonna be for you to actually go and hug your heavenly father? Like I just think, oh my gosh, I get to like just hang out and cruise for like, hey, Jesus, can we do a lunch date for like a few thousand years, right? Because it's eternity. Can we just hang out over here together? Like that in itself is just amazing. God's gonna be literally living among us. It says this about heaven. Interesting, talks about kings coming, kings of the earth coming to give him glory. There's gonna be kings, there's gonna be nations. It describes heaven as a country. There's gonna be a river that flows from the throne down in the middle of the city, trees lining both sides of it with fruit that's gonna be used as healing medicine, that's gonna bring healing. And I'm thinking, if there's no hurt and there's no none of this, like I don't understand the healing medicine part. There's just a lot of stuff that is really describing the painting the picture of what it's about. It says it's gonna be our heavenly homeland. In Hebrews, it describes it that way. That means when you get to heaven, you're gonna have the greatest sense of coming home that you've ever felt in your life. You know how good it is when you go travel somewhere and you come back home and there's your bed, your bathroom. Can I be that graphic? Oh, yes, thank you. I was scared to go over there. I felt really weird. You know, whatever. You step into your own slippers and it just feels like that. When you get to heaven, you're just gonna come like, this is my home. I've been waiting all this time. I'm at my home. No crying, no pain or death. We're gonna talk about that in the next couple weeks about what we're actually gonna be doing there because we're gonna be doing something. We're not gonna be bored. We're not gonna be just floating around. We're gonna have work to do. There's gonna be rewards from our work. There's, you're gonna be interested in that. We're gonna talk about our animals gonna be there. Like, is Fido gonna be there with you? That was your favorite dog, you know, from your childhood. There's some really cool stuff that the Bible has to say about things like that, our relationships, but we'll talk about that later. Here's some scriptures on heaven if you wanna take notes on this and read up on that. Please do take a picture of that one. There's more, more verses that I found that are good that back it up, and a lot more in the Bible itself. But um, as we just leave that one up for a few minutes, the new earth, the new city, the new country, the new kingdom, the new bodies, again, it's the continuity thing, which means it's, it's what you kind of are familiar with and what you're gonna, you're similar to where we have here on earth, the understanding, but it's gonna be super hyper upgraded and a million times better. It's like when, when your, your phone or your computer system gets the new operating system upgrade and you're like, whoa, I can do that now? Like you're gonna be, you're gonna feel like, oh, this kind of seems familiar, but whoa, the glorified body is so much better than my old body, you know? And, and like cities and nations, and I kind of know what that means here on earth, but you get to heaven and it's still gonna look like that. There's gonna be commerce and there's gonna be people and work and stuff, but without all of the sin and all the negativity and all the bad stuff, it's just gonna be magnified and multiplied. And whatever brought you joy here on earth, God goes, heaven is gonna be like that, but even more joyful and no sorrow, no pain. It's gonna be just incredible. So here's my preaching part of this, this sermon today. I wanted to describe to you as, as well as I could in this amount of time what the Bible says about these two actual real places of heaven and hell. But here's the reason why, and here's the heart matter, is that God wants us to live like it matters. And when you understand that eternity is real, that heaven and hell are real places, it should change the way that you live. In John 14, the Bible says this. Jesus says this to his friends. And you gotta catch the, the perspective. Jesus is at the Last Supper, He's already washed the disciples' feet. He's, he's eaten with them. He knows that he's about to be betrayed by one of his own, Judas. He's about to be arrested, put on trial, crucified for crimes that he didn't commit, right? His only, his only crime was he claimed to be the son of God, who he was, right? 
But all this is going down and Jesus is hanging out with his boys, the Last Supper. And he's trying to leave them with some significant words and he chooses his words wisely. And there's a lot that he says in John 13, 14, you read that story. But these are some of the words that he leaves him with as he knows that when he's arrested and he starts this revolution, this Christianity, this movement that's gonna change the world, he knows that it's gonna come at a cost. That his boys over here that he's looking at, his friends that he spent three years with, he knows these guys are gonna give up their lives, they're gonna be martyred for his sake. He knows the cost it's gonna have on their families. He knows what it's gonna cost them, the persecution that they're gonna face, the mocking, them going into hiding, the disruption of the officials, and some of them are gonna be jailed, and just all that it's gonna cost them and he knows the heartache and trouble that's ahead of them and what's, what's gonna happen to them. And he gives them the, these words, and this is what he gives them. You know what he gives them? He gives them the hope of heaven. He says, hey guys, I know what's about to happen to you, but look at his words here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. Here's his encouragement to them. Hey, I'm going somewhere. But guess what? There's room for you. There's more than enough room for you. It says in other translations that in my father's house, there's many mansions. That's not really a super good, clean, clear translation. But what he's trying to say is, I'm going somewhere where my, my father lives, where God lives. But guess what? There's room for you guys there. It's gonna be awesome. There's gonna be dwelling places for you there. He says, if it weren't so, why would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I'm lying here and I'm just trying to, to hype you up with false encouragement, why would I say this? Why would I make promises like this? This is Jesus talking. When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. See, this is so cool that Jesus is trying to encourage them because they're about to take lickings from the world. They're about to take cracks. They're about to do all of this as they, as they present the message of the gospel, the good news to the world. And here's Jesus' encouragement. Yeah, you know, you're gonna get it. I know that, but guess what? Here's what you have to look forward to. What's waiting for you on the other side is heaven, is that my father has prepared a place for you. It's gonna be good. I'm personally gonna come get you. You're gonna be with me, and you know the way to get there, and it's through me. He's encouraging them, hey, live differently because you know where you're going to next. I got a lot of friends in this church that I've met, blessed to have met so many of these people in the military because they come to us for a couple years. They get their... PCS duty, their permanent change of station, they get called out of here for two or, after two or three years and they go somewhere, where's their next call of duty, their station around the world that the military moves them to. But I get to make all these friendships in the short time that, that they're here. There's some incredible people that God's gifted me and now I have friends all over the world because I made friends with them here through this church. But the interesting thing is you talk to a lot of these military people because they know that they're only in Hawaii for a short amount of time, they live differently while they're here because they know where they're going next. You guys, does that make sense to you? Like, like they may have, in Hawaii, they may have a convertible, but if they know the next place they're getting shipped off to or whatever is Alaska, they're like, I'm not too attached to that convertible because that's got to go because I'm moving to Alaska and there's no place for a convertible in Alaska. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like they live differently when they know they're only here for a short amount of time. I mean, the food that they eat, that they, they've come to eat, I love these plate lunch things. These are awesome. So they know that, man, we're going to get called out of here. I better eat as many of those as I possibly can while I'm here. And the relationships, this is interesting to me, is they come into the church, they want to be involved in the community, they want to meet people. But I found this with a lot of my military friends is they don't necessarily want to waste time in making a lot of shallow relationships, 
They want to find the friends that they like and they want to get in and they want to spend good times because we're only here for a few years and I really like you. Can we hang out a lot? They focus and are intentional on the right relations. Does that make sense to you? But you, you don't get attached too attached to houses, to furniture, to cars, to all that because it might change where you're going next. You don't know what you're going to have. So don't fall in love with this house because there might be, who knows, something else is different. But you live differently when you know where you're going. You don't screw around. You don't waste time getting into trouble. You don't want to screw anything up that would cause you pain or heartache when you go to the next destination. And so here's the preaching part of the sermon. Here's the heart part of the sermon why we're talking about heaven and hell is that you live differently when you know where you're going. And as Christians, because you know where heaven is, here, let me give you guys a few things really quickly. Don't waste time on earth right now. Don't screw around. Don't flirt with sin. Don't get yourself into trouble. You have a short amount of time here on earth. Live to please God. In fact, when you know that God has heaven waiting for you and you've been saved from hell and the fire and the torment, torment of that, here's what you should do right now. Live thankful. Live thankful lives that constantly every day know what you're saved from and what God has waiting in store for you right now. One of my friends that's living in Hawaii now, he was in the military and he grew, he grew up in the mainland. He said, I never thought that I would ever even visit Hawaii. And now I've been stationed here and then they moved us out and we were in the mainland for another couple of years and I retired and now I ended up back in Hawaii permanently. He's sitting on the beach with me the other day on the west side, sunshine waves. We're at, at Makaha Buffs Big Board Contest and we're sitting there. I'm like, hey, how's today? Today's a good day. He goes, I feel like the luckiest man on planet earth. I was like, whoa, wh- why? What happened? He goes, I never thought I would, ever, I would ever visit Hawaii, let alone me and my whole family live here and look at what we have every day. He goes, I feel like the bl- most blessed man on planet earth. And I just thought, That's how we as Christians need to be living our lives right now, especially knowing that heaven is waiting for us, that that this is temporary and it's gonna be so much better and we've been saved from hell. Hey, don't screw around. Live differently right now and live thankful. And then Jesus said, even in this passage, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is a good word for us. When you know where you're going, then you don't have to let your hearts be troubled right here and right now. The fears, the problems, the pain, the bitterness, even death itself shouldn't rattle you, shouldn't freak you out as much. The problems that you're going through right now, and I know you're all going through problems, I'm going through problems. But with heaven in mind, it means, well, I know where I'm going, I know where I end up. What's the worst that the world could throw at me? Like even if the devil were to make it so he's here to kill, steal, and destroy, hey, even if he killed me and I went, and I went early, I know where I'm going, right? Remember what Paul said in Philippians 1.21? Hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Like you can't, I, I, don't, I don't lose. Like there's, there's no way you could possibly lose. So we live differently, we're less troubled because we have a hope. You ever read um, in school when you had to do a book report and you just read the last chapter because you hope it summarizes the whole like book, right? You cheat, anybody there with me? Cliff notes, the whole deal, right? You read the book of Revelation, you know what it talks about? We win in the end. We go to heaven in the end. Therefore, the rest of the story doesn't matter so much. I'm not gonna be troubled because I win in the end, amen? It's, it's hope giving. This is really good. So he says, don't be troubled. And here's the other thing, like the military friends, don't get too attached to stuff. Make more memories, don't make more money. Don't worry about like, I gotta have all this money, I gotta do all this stuff. Do you really? Like, isn't it more important to invest in people? So don't get too attached to the stuff here on earth. Invest in people Our job here on planet Earth is to get as many people as we can out of hell. We need to plunder hell and populate heaven, right? That's our goal. Like people should matter more than all of our stuff that we get so attached to. So invest in people. Our life goal should be this, die empty. Two words, I love that, I read that somewhere. And it's basically that 
All the opportunities that come your way, all the potential, all the gifts, all the resources, all the love, all the words that you speak, use them up and use them well so that when you go to heaven, you could say, I'm ready to go to heaven. I prepared on earth and I made the most of my time here on earth. I'm dying empty. There's no more attachments, nothing else that I have to say or to do. I used well everything that God gave me. Here's the point of this sermon today. And I know it was heavy talking about hell and heaven and all this stuff. I want it to be heavy. I want you to be thinking about this because God wants us to, to think because when we know where we're going next, it changes the way that we live right now. Eternity is real. Heaven is a real place and hell is a real place and we should be living like it matters. Was that a good word for you guys today? And I went a little bit long as well, but let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for eternity. We thank you, Father God, that there's more to life than this and it actually gets better and better and better for those of us that know you. And Lord, that our goal here on planet Earth is to bring as many people with us as we possibly can to heaven. We can't bring the money, we can't bring the house, we can't bring the car, we can't bring any of that stuff, but what we can bring is more people into heaven, out of hell and into heaven. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of the reality, the severity of what hell is all about, but also know the goodness and the joy awaiting us, the hope that we have that heaven is gonna blow our minds. It's a real place. It's not clouds and harps and angels. It literally is a real place with new glorified bodies, new uh, glorified earth and city and, and all that you have, and we just get to see you. So Father, I pray that that would affect the way that we live in the here and now. And I pray right now if there's anybody that has never made a commitment to Jesus, that is maybe on the fence, not sure where you're going when you die, and maybe you learn something here today, but you wanna choose Jesus, you wanna make sure you're on the right team, and you wanna know the goodness of him, not just in eternity, but here on earth right now, then I'd love to say a prayer with you right now, just, just putting you in right relationship with God. And how we're gonna do it is I'm gonna pray out loud, and if you wanna pray this with me, you pray quietly in your heart. I'm not gonna ask you to pray out loud in front of all these people, but you would just take the words I say out loud, you'd make it your, your words in your heart to God. He sees it, he hears it. He's gonna change your eternity starting now. If you'd like to pray that prayer, everybody's got their eyes closed and heads bowed. But if that's you here this morning and you wanna pray that with me right now, can you let me know that we're gonna pray together by doing one thing? And by right now, here's how you let me know we're gonna pray together. Would you just raise your hand? No one else sees you, but I see you. Good, I see one hand going up. I see another hand. I see three hands over there. I see you, I got you. Anybody else in the room, you just wanna make sure you wanna know where you're going. Praise God for those hands. Go ahead and put your hands down right now and I want you just to pray in your heart the words that I kind of lead you, but it's gonna be your prayer to God. So here we go. God, today I'm here and I realize that I need you. And Lord, eternity, it's heavy, it's real, and I understand that. And Lord, I don't wanna take any chances. And Lord, I want to know you, I wanna follow you, I wanna serve you, because I wanna get a taste of your goodness here on earth right now. Lord, that you could forgive me of my sins, you could make me a new creation. Lord, I believe, just as that thief on the cross says, I believe in who you are. Would you remember me, that in your heart right now, that you're confessing and that you're speaking out, and you can speak it out with your words after, but right now, just in your heart, you're telling God, I believe in you, God. I believe in what you have for my life. I believe, Jesus, that you died to provide a way for me to go to heaven. So right now, Lord, I believe that. I receive that. From here on out, I'm gonna live like a follower of Jesus Christ. As you continue to do new work in me, Lord, I'm gonna live for you. As I read my Bible, as I go to church, as I get baptized, as I receive the power of your Holy Spirit in my life, everything you have for me, Lord, from the bottom of my heart, the answer is yes, right here, right now. I look forward to this, this new life together, this new eternity together. God, show me how to live. Thank you for being my God, for forgiving me right in this very moment that I cry out to you. And in Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God?